We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Special edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. In this episode, we get you ready for Saturday's showdown between Texas A&M and number 11 Ole Miss with four guests. First up, it's David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger. David's in his second year on the Ole Miss beat, does a terrific job. We'll talk to him, and then we'll head to College Station to visit with two of my friends from Texags, Olin Buchanan and David Nuno. Then Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports joins to talk about Saturday's game in Oxford as well as the weekend ahead in college football and the NFL. Please make the Oxford Exxon and Blue Sky a part of your football weekend. You'll be coming in on Friday, early Saturday. Stop by the Oxford Exxon on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can fill up outside, grab some uh, ribs, some snacks, some Gatorade, whatever the case may be. You can also check out their fantastic beer cooler. We've been telling you it's 34 degrees of sudsy goodness as you get ready for a big Saturday of college football. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662 662- 257-1900. David Eckert, Owen Buchanan, David Nuno, Ben Mintz, they all join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. All of our programming here at MPW is also presented by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. 
Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. There's no need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football Keep it twisted. Without further ado, here's David Eckert, the first of our four guests on this extra edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger does a fantastic job covering Ole Miss. He's uh, he's he's really good. Uh, he's written some great stuff. It's been fun to uh, get to know a little bit over the last year or so. David, welcome to the show. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, Neil. Um, quite the introduction there. You're well, too nice you, to me. you do uh, <laughs> you do great work. I read a lot of your stuff. You do uh, you do really good work. Um, we'll start here. Let's get a little bit of background on you uh, for people that that don't know you. Young guy, still fairly new to the beat. I guess you what jumped in about middle of last year after the Southern Miss beat. Is that right? Yeah. So I got here and they proceeded to lose every game that I covered after I got here. So. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for something to blame, maybe I caused the collapse. But yeah, I got here Alabama week last year. So it's it's coming up on, it might be a year exactly. Yeah, it's uh, this time. So, yeah, uh, it's been fun. Like I've really enjoyed it. But yeah, I covered Penn State for about a year, hopped down to Southern Miss for eight months or so and ended up here. So let's talk about this team. I'm uh, in my mind. I'm already sort of formulating the "I was wrong" column. Um, in, you know, it's I, I. I kind of thought two things, David. I don't know whether you and I ever talked about this or not. I, I just as I was watching this roster get built, I was like, man, I just don't know. I just watched a team that didn't have a lot of fabric to it fall apart, and I'm like, so you're going to do it again? You're going to rerun it with? You're going to double down, really? And I was like, I, I, it just didn't feel like it looked to me like I was, I kept going, man, this has seven and five written all over it. It just, you know, and I'm in my mind, I'm going, I was wrong. Maybe you can build a roster like this. Maybe this is the way to do it. Maybe this is the way that you can do it at Ole Miss. And, uh, yet to do, to get to that place where I'm writing that column, I think they have to win on Saturday. But just in general, what are your what are your thoughts on this season to date? Yeah, you know, I like numbers. A lot of what I write involves numbers, you know, and and so I think I kind of sometimes tend to put intangibles, chemistry, that type of thing to the side. And I think this season has really taught me that that matters because. I really do, and I buy. I I I I buy what they'd say about, hey, we really made an effort. We learned from last year, where I mean, it's been very thinly veiled that clearly last year's team did not have the right balance, um, and they they made an effort to correct that. So I, I think that's been really important because um, I don't know about you, Neil. I I feel like this team perhaps unexpectedly for a team that's that's built on the transfer portal, to me, 
is playing greater than the sum of its parts for sure. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You know, I buy it too. And here's why two reasons. One is that my observations from covering Lane Kiffin now in year four is that if you ask a thoughtful question for all of the shade and stuff, we'll talk about that in a minute that, that Lane does. (laughs) If you ask Lane a thoughtful question, you typically get a thoughtful answer. He doesn't lie to you. If, if you ask a question that he doesn't want to answer, he just doesn't answer it. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you ask him a question that's kind of ridiculous, you sort of get a flippant answer. But if you ask him a thoughtful question, you typically get a thoughtful answer. And over the course of the last few weeks, three or four of us, I think, have asked some semblance of the same thoughtful question, which is, did you approach the portal differently based on what happened last year? And the easy flippant answer would be, no, I mean, we just go out and get players. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But he, he didn't do that. He says, yeah, no, we absolutely did and learned some things from last year. And uh, that I think his words were, it's it's a daily thing that you have to do. You, we learned that you have to do this every day. You can't just do it at the beginning of the year and think it'll stick. You have to do it. You have to really put a lot of emphasis on it. And I think they have. They've eliminated a couple of people that were disruptive. And I've not really thought about it the way that you just said that, but I'll probably steal that at some point. Um, yeah, I, I think this team is operating greater than the sum of its parts because it's for all of the talk that Lane did this week, and he did it just a minute ago in the SEC coaches teleconference about Texas A&M. He's not wrong. That is a more talented roster than the Ole Miss roster, and and yet the Ole Miss team has performed at a higher level than the A&M team has. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's you don't get a greater case study right and and you know it's it's kind of why i think this game is a little bit dangerous for Ole miss too because you know they're better than texas a&m the results are better um their players aren't better so now you're in a situation where you know you're, you're playing a team that has the quality of a program that you'd usually score points if you beat and instead you know you're you're, you're gonna lose ground if you if you lose to them so you know, I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a no-win for them this weekend, to be honest. Um, just because, you know, I mean, the, the talent on this team is comparable to LSU, for example, right? But the the clout that's available for them if they win is not. So, but yeah, definitely, uh, like like you said, uh, just very contrasting examples of, of what has and hasn't worked with these two teams this weekend. I remembered my old age just showed for a second. The other the reason I believe it, I was talking to Jared Ivey early in the offseason. And I was like, hey, when was the first time that you kind of sensed that things were falling apart a little bit? And he goes, oh, the LSU game. They were undefeated going into the LSU game. And the moment that game kind of went away, it was like you could tell guys were just – you could tell it just fell, it kind of fell apart. They just It was adversity. They couldn't handle it. They went to Texas A&M and won, but then they came back. You know the rest of the story because that's when you joined the beat and you caused all the losing apparently. But um, <laughs> but they didn't come back and win. But this year, it's got a different feel to it. Like, I don't know about you. Um, you were at the two-lane game. I wasn't. But watching on television, I never sensed that Ole Miss was going to lose that game, even in the fourth quarter. Um, mm-hmm. Against LSU, I just kind of had this funny feeling that they were going to come back and win it, even when they were down nine. And then – against Arkansas a week later when they trailed in the fourth quarter against that team. There was never a moment that I went, you know, they're going to lose to Arkansas today. I just thought, oh, they're going to win. They'll figure out how to win yeah. it. And last yeah. year, it was not that way. When they would fall behind, you're like, this team's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's funny, like, you know, 
just behind the scenes, I have to have a, a story at the buzzer. And my story for Tulane never changed from Ole Miss winning. You know, I had Ole Miss winning for most of the, the LSU game as well in Arkansas. So it, basically, I'm with you. Um, you, you know, I, I had an interesting conversation with Jackson Dart this offseason. Um, I went to one of his uh, NIL camps and, you know, he, he came, we talked to him after he was gracious with his time and he was like, yeah. And I thought this was interesting because it wasn't prompted. And he said, our, our chemistry needs to be better. And he's saying this, I think this was June, you know? Um, so very clearly they identified a problem and they addressed it. And, and, and you're right. I, I think it, I'm actually writing about this a little bit this week. I think Jackson Dart, is a huge part of this. I really, I really do. I think that guy to me exudes leadership. That guy is accountable all the time. I asked Lane a little bit about this on Sunday, right? I mean, he was fine against Vanderbilt. Was he great? No, but did he have to come out and say, like, I didn't execute very well tonight. You know, that's why the offense maybe didn't click. Absolutely not. He didn't have that kind of game. So you know, I just think he's, he, he's a leader and I think he's been really important. Um, I think the way that he handled, uh, you know, the, the quarterback competition in the off season has been really important for this, for, for this group as well. Uh, he's, he's done all the right things. So um, yeah, I, they, they just, they feel different. They don't feel, even if they lose this weekend, right? Like, does that limit some of their goals? For sure. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like they're going to go and just implode, you know? So. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, the story that I wish I could do, um, I'm sure someone is already working on it. It would take some real time and it would take some guys being super transparent for the story to really work, to play out is take me inside that trip to California over the summer when he took a bunch of receivers out there with him, you know? And I mean, like, what did you do? What did you really do? I mean, because, you know, yeah. Jordan yeah. Watkins talked about it a little bit, I guess, yesterday or Tuesday as people are hearing this. You know, that they, there was a lot of stuff off the field in addition. Obviously, they weren't just out there 12 hours a day running routes. I mean, they did other things. But, you know, you'd love to know, like, he said they went shopping. Like, I'd love to know where you went shopping. What did you right. do? What did – because obviously there's a there's a, a a bond that has been built with guys that – he didn't know those people particularly well. He didn't know Trey Harris at all when Trey Harris got to to Ole Miss. And, and this was at a time when Spencer Sanders was there. And it's one of the things about Jackson that I don't know that I've given enough credit to. Maybe you have. Not only did he handle the quarterback competition the right way, I don't think in his mind it was ever a competition. I think he it was always, this is my team, this is my job, and I'm going to operate that way. And if that rubs anybody the wrong way, so be it. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, the off-season stuff, if he doesn't have that mindset, probably might not happen, right? If, if you if you don't think you're the starting quarterback, are you taking three, four wide receivers to Los Angeles? Or probably not. I wouldn't, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a, a really important point. And he actually said that it, it was the first time we got him in the spring. I don't remember exactly when this was. And he was like, yeah, you know, I've never really adjusted my mindset I think on the starting quarterback. I'm paraphrasing, but that was you That's know basically what he said. Though I mean, it was kind of and it was you know as a 
for lack of a better word, is a ballsy thing to say when the head football coach is saying it's an open competition that and is frankly saying, hey, you know, once Spencer's healthy, we're going to really get an idea of what he looks like and blah, blah, blah. And Jackson kind of comes in after that. It's my job. It, I'm, this is, you know, I don't even, I don't think about it like that. I, I, I always thought that was super interesting at the time and probably didn't put enough weight on it when he said it because that's not the thing you say if there's any part of you that's like, yeah, you know, I might hit the portal. I might get the hell out of here. I, this is, I'm pissed off. I, I shouldn't have to do this. In his mind, it was like, this is, this is a story for you guys, but not for me. Yeah, 100%. And, and he played like it too. He was great in the spring. You know, the, the one thing that is really nice about Ole Miss is, hey, you can go watch all the spring practices. They let you in. I mean, he was awesome. Um, so he, he's, he's backed it up and I, the numbers maybe might not corroborate this maybe to the extent that I, I thought they would coming in, but I think he's been great. Like, I think he's been really good this year, um, just as it relates to winning. Cause they haven't needed him, especially the last three, four weeks to go out and throw for 400 yards. You know, um, they have a defense that's much better than I thought it would be. You, you know, you don't have to play 100 miles an hour typical Lane Kiffin football to win games the way this team is built. So I think he's been great. I think both on the field, off the field, mentally, uh, just really good. You know, it's where I think Lane Kiffin's grown as a coach. He recognized that they needed to do something differently on defense. He went and got the guy that he wanted, I think that's who he wanted was Pete Golding. He went and got him. He has left him alone. He's like, here, it's your defense. Not only that, you want to recruit 20-some-odd-plus guys on the defensive side of the portal? Okay, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. And um, he's given him a lot of credit. And, you know, like at, at this point in the season, I mean, frankly, this team has won more games defensively than it, than it has offensively, which I think a younger Lane Kiffin would have driven him crazy. <laughs> and and this Lane Kiffin, I think he just wants to win. He is all, it's all about the finish. It's all about hey, like today he was asked about rankings. I don't care about rankings till the last ranking. I think now it's I really don't care about the scoreboard until it hits zero, and then we look up and I don't care if we win twenty four twenty one or if we win fifty nine fifty one. Frankly, I think he'd prefer to win twenty four twenty one. It was I'm trying to remember what game it was. It may have been it may have been Tulane where he was saying or Tulane or Georgia Tech, one of those kind of games where he was like, I'm kind of glad it went the way that it did because we needed we need to win a game defensively at some point because that's going to happen in 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 conference play. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I do remember him saying that. And you know, it's to me, it, the leeway that he gave Pete Golding that you touched on at the beginning there has just paid off in an unbelievable way because you, you just look at the way that he built this defense Really, to me, this defense's strength is depth, right? There, There is no star on this defense to me. Maybe Centarian Perkins is going to be that in a little while. Probably not there yet. Um, and, and, you know, you look at the defensive line, right? I think there were seven or eight guys who have at least two sacks. They're top five in sacks in college football. You look at how they're playing in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, how many games have they won in the fourth quarter? And and how good has that defense been in the fourth quarter? Think about that two-lane game when it was hot. And, you know, they just – I think they shut them out in the second half, allowed three points, something like that. Something like that. So, points, maybe, yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the leeway and the freedom 
that Pete Golding has gotten from Lane Kiffin, I think has been really important to this defensive success. Um, what are your thoughts about Saturday's game? Obviously, there's, there's a there's kind of a matchup problem for both teams. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Uh, Ole Miss's offensive front against Texas A&M's front seven, if you will. And then on the flip side, I mean, Ole Miss has gotten to the quarterback a lot, as you mentioned. And Texas A&M has given up a lot of sacks because Max Johnson's kind of statuesque back there. No, no knock on him. It's just mobility is not part of his game. In my mind, I sort of – that's not – breaking news here this game's going to come down to line of scrimmage most sec games do but this is going to come down to which offensive line can sort of get some traction yeah i I wonder if this game is going to be really gross neil i I feel like it might be um you know i think ole miss is going to have to run the ball just to keep that defensive line from getting its you know its ears pinned back and just teeing off um and that hasn't been easy against texas a&m either (laughs) so uh yeah it's 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 going to be tough. I think I am really watching. I think if Ole Miss loses this game, I think special teams are going to really matter. Oh. Um, yeah, T- Texas A&M, elite punter. Um, if if you look at their starting field position, it's the second best in college football. So, you know, if it ends up being this game where – it's just disgusting. Like the final score is 20 to 17, 17, 14, whatever. Um, I can see that really mattering because Ole Miss hasn't been great there. They've been really hit and miss um, on special teams. And Anaya so, Smith is a problem. You, you, you punt to him. You, you do it with, there's a, there's a big warning sticker uh, when yep. you punt the ball to him that, Hey, warning, this is dangerous because he, he can break a game open uh, in, in the return game. He's special. Yeah. Yeah. So to be clear, I, I think Ole Miss wins the game, but it's it's that is, to me is the path to this not working out. Just the, the margins, because sometimes those things are kind of neglected here. Right. So Ole Miss can't afford to, to, to lose this game in in the little places, because I think that's where Texas A&M might have a leg up. If Ole Miss wins next week is next week is crazy around there because it's I don't know whether you agree with this. I I think if Ole Miss beats A and M next week is the ultimate free shot. Where you just mm-hmm. you have you you go to Athens with the get out of jail free card. You're going to be a double digit underdog. Beating them doesn't mean a guarantee for the playoff. It doesn't mean a guarantee for the SEC West title. It doesn't mean, but beating them makes you the face of college football for a while. And losing to them is no big deal. You can come back, beat ULM, beat Mississippi State. You're probably going to an access bowl. I mean, it would make next week really fascinating. Yeah, totally agree. I think, uh, like you mentioned, the the positioning that they got last night, um, number 10 above Penn State, who, you know, they're going to have Michigan, but there's no real other opportunity for them to make a splash, um, gives them some leeway to lose that game and still end up in a New York Six Bowl. Um, So, you know, I... I just think it's going to be fun. Like I don't root. I'm not, I'm not an Ole Miss fan, but like you do kind of hope a little bit that they win this game just so that you get the big one next week. Cause I, I think that would just be a, like you mentioned, just really fun party, party atmosphere, just everybody. That's all anybody's going to be talking about. So, yeah, I would love to actually see a Lane Kiffin coached team in a game like that, where 
hey, why not? Let's just roll the dice. On, <laughs> let's just roll the dice on a couple of things and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry about that. But no, you're good. You're good. Uh, so last, um, time, I'll let you. I'll let you get to your dog and the rest of your day. I appreciate your time. But uh, what? What? Do, how do you see the game playing out Saturday? What's kind of your your thoughts? Yeah, I, I had picked originally. I think thirty one or thirty one twenty eight Texas A and M. I'm I'm going to move that score down. I, I just I don't think it ends up that high scoring. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's almost wins by three by one score. Um, I just think again, Olmus has the better quarterback. They have the quarterback who is better equipped to deal with the opposition's strength being, you know, the the, the pass rush. Jackson, maybe we haven't talked about this enough either. I think he's there's been some real moments of magic from him in the last couple of weeks where he's just pulled something out of air. Like, how did he do that? Um, and see, he's going to have to do that a couple times this week, but I think he can. Um, yeah, at home, Lane has made it very clear that Jimbo does not do well on the road. On the road, and his, <laughs> his trolling escapade this week. So yeah, I think I think it's a it's a close Ole Miss win. A close Ole Miss win over the best five and three team ever, according to uh, to Lane Kiffin. Ever the best one that's ever gone five and three. It's it's <laughs> it was a remarkable amount of shade over the course of the week, which tells me that Lane Kiffin believes he's winning because I can't imagine you'd say this much if you thought that there was a real chance you'd lose. Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> we were talking about it before we started, like just the the laundry list of things he complimented about Texas A&M <laughs> that were not Jimbo Fisher <laughs> was so funny. <laughs> the coordinators, the fans, the talent, the the fundraising ability, you know, it's like it's one of the best programs in the country. I mean, that's what he said. Yeah. One of the best I think he said one of the best five programs in the country or something like that. One of the best programs in the country he was very complimentary he was asked hey is there something personal with you and a&m he's like, oh no no not at all i mean what i kept waiting for him to go it's not a&m it's their coach but he left that alone he said no i have nothing against texas a&m they're a great program they do they, they're great at getting players and i mean he it was it was master shade really where he got his point across yet at the same time no one can say he was being sarcastic he said nothing but nice things about texas a&m it's hard for them to really get particularly angry at him <laughs> yep and you know it's funny because he, he keeps doing this and nobody has done the all right if they're so great why are they five and three and i i, I do kind of want to see what he would do if he got that you know uh w- would he say so would he say what he thinks probably well, not what, one of us if they win on saturday if Ole miss wins on saturday and he comes in and he talks about how hard it is to beat that team and blah 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 one of mm-hmm. One of us has to say, Lane, it, with all due respect, as 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 much as you've complimented them, how are they five and four? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that yeah. answer might just be, I don't know. You, you'd either get a the, the answer of all time, or he'd blow you off. I'm not I'm not sure which. Yeah, I feel like it's it's probably the latter, but. You know, it it's one of the it's like it's like a plus six hundred parlay. You know, you put a little <laughs> bit on it to see if you get the, the big hit, right? <laughs> yeah. Why not take five bucks and put it on a a six hundred a six hundred money line? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, David, I've kept you uh, long enough. I appreciate the time very much. I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. Owen Buchanan of TexAgs.com does a, a great job at a 
great site. We we have fun sometimes with all the Texas A and M stuff and all that. But man, that is a phenomenal site, and in our industry, it is uh, a revolutionary site. What they've been able to do. So, uh, congrats on all the success, and thanks for the time. You bet. I always enjoy talking football with you. All right, we're going to get to football in a minute. I got to ask this first. Lane Kiffin, okay. his press conference on Monday was throwing so much shade at Jimbo Fisher. It was just one fastball after another fastball. I'm sure that has made its way back to uh, your site, to the Texas A&M people. I assume to Jimbo. How has that been received? Prom Shrimp, promshrimp.com, seven different flavors available for you. Everything from your own style barbecue to their uh, signature great garlic flavor there with Prom Shrimp. Tons of options. You can get a bunch of your favorites or you can try a bunch of samples, kind of like their full meals in a bag. They got the garlic herb butter, the French Quarter Alfredo, the little pepper on that thing, and it is uh, fantastic. It's great for lunch, protein snacks, or dinner. With everybody being so busy, use code RG with promshrimp.com you get five pouches or more at 25 percent off again that's code rg promshrimp.com we're brought to you by pinnacle pinnacle based in uh, madison mississippi jackson mississippi actually now they've got clients in more than 20 states advisors in multiple states they provide detailed specialized investment management financial planning retirement planning for individuals and businesses and much much more uh Investing's treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research at Pinnacle. To learn more, go to mypinwealth.com. M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. That's our sphere. <laughs> We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If uh, you want a trip that creates a lifetime of unique memories, get in touch with John. He, he's a... Uh, just give him some parameters. Give him a budget. He's going to give you options that you're going to have a difficult time finding on your own, especially if you're planning a trip that's kind of ahead of time. You want to make sure that it's it's good. Do that. Uh, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services either. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. Oxford's newest Greek restaurant on the square, OPA. It's a perfect place to plan your company dinner, your festive party event, your Christmas party. Fabulous food, great craft libations. They can accommodate up to 200 guests for catering or booking information. Contact Jeannie, 601-421-7147. And we're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency, connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, they can help you. If you're looking for quality, hard-to-find talent, they can help you too. It's always free for the candidate and payment of service for a company solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. In other words, you've got nothing to lose. So give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. And get the beautiful and healthy smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures that will result in a beautiful, long-lasting smile from routine checkups to advanced treatment, including implants and Invisalign. Corinth Dental is here to help you achieve your smile goals. Schedule your appointment today. Take the first step toward a better version of yourself at CorinthDental.com. Podcast is brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. Basketball season tickets, they both start on Monday. They are uh, for sale now. Women's tickets as cheap as $50. Men's tickets available also. And then uh, baseball renewals, ticket purchases for the uh, season beginning in February 
It is uh, on. Those are on sale also, and then they got the Tad Pad game. It's the Friday before ULM. It's not on TV. It's not being streamed. You have to be in attendance to see the uh, the game. You can get tickets for that. I think all the VIP stuff is sold out, but tickets still available for that. OleMissTicks dot com. Uh, I think I think for the majority of people now. Look, everybody thinks here thinks Lane is a a, a bad guy. I'll put it that way, right? Yeah. Uh, some some might even reference bodily parts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'd say ninety percent of the reaction was, "Well, he's not wrong." Yeah, he does have NFL caliber talent, and. I, I think it's taken out of context when Jimbo says we're trying to get bowl eligible. What he's saying is I'm trying to win the next game. But, you know, maybe just be a little bit more aware of how things are going to be perceived. And I don't think Jimbo's a, really, a guy that really cares how things are perceived. But maybe he should get a PR guy that says, hey, you don't want to put it this way. But Jimbo's the type of guy that just kind of talks from the hip. Right, he he's he's not measured in everything he says, which is good and bad. Um, so yeah, Lane's comments were uh, <laughs> they they definitely made it here. And here's the thing about what I'd say about Lane because all this started between the two of them when Lane made an accusation that I'm telling you is just not true about and him buying all the players and jumping in with Saban. It's it's not true. Thirty million dollars is no one ever wants to acknowledge. This, but before um, before NIL was ratified that year, um, 90% of that recruiting class was already committed. Uh, so, so what I find interesting is Lane has somehow, even though he threw the first shot, has become the sympathetic figure in all that. And I guess it's just because so many people don't like the idea of of Jimbo making that much money, which, by the way, every coach makes a ton of money. But having that contract, I think that nationally people would have let it go if A&M had been able to follow up that 2020 year where they had a lot of success with more success. But I think it just sits wrong with people nationally when – you're making a ton of money and you're not producing at the level that your your contract would demand would seemingly demand that you do and then so when a coach like you see we all know usually coaches won't ever even have the hint of being critical to each other right, right. so when Lane, when Lane makes these backward compliments, you know, like, oh, man, they have, they've done a great job assembling all this talent. It's NFL talent. I was trying to get Paul eligible. Hopefully we can keep them doing that. Uh, <laughs> you can't – how mad can you be when no one's really disagreeing with you? I mean, I think everybody here in College Station, Aggies everywhere, are trying to figure out why aren't you winning at a higher level? The, the the injured quarterback can only take you so long, especially when the guy you have starting has thrown for 2,800 yards in the SEC. He did it at LSU with Ed Orgeron as his coach for crying out loud. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know what? And I kind of – in his press conference this week, I asked Jimbo, hey, you know, what goes in – you know, what goes into your – 
planning and you're strategizing when you're going up against Lane Kiffin, who will do is known for doing some unorthodox things, like for instance, faking a punt on fourth and what was it, fourth and two or fourth and three at his own 16 yard line yeah. against Ann last year. And you know, Jimbo says, eh, you know, a lot of people do stuff like that. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. But, yeah. But, but he was saying that, you know, different coaches do different things, right? We re- we can go way back and remember Bobby Bowden against Clemson running a fake punt from his own, like, 15-yard line. You probably remember that, a famous play. But you have to go back 30, 40 years for that. So uh, but I think it was Jimbo's way of, of acknowledging that he's a good coach without acknowledging him. Yeah, last year in College Station, they didn't even, you know, coaches before the game will hang out for a couple minutes and talk. And with with Lane, usually it's fairly lengthy conversations. Like I've noticed the last couple of home games, Sam Pittman and Clark Lee, they were, they were, he talked to Pittman for, God, 10 minutes on the field. And then he and Clark leaves. Clark had his son and Lane had his son Knox, and they were all visiting for a few minutes. And, he and Jimbo supposedly in College Station didn't even talk before the game. I mean, there was never even a moment. I mean, there's a lot of bad blood there. Oh, I'm not surprised. And again, yeah, Lane defended that Jimbo called him a clown for, but why did Jimbo call him a clown? Because basically, uh, Lane called him a cheater. Well, again, who the guy who fired the first shot has somehow become the sympathetic figure, which I find interesting. Uh, but it's because look. Lane's having success. He's in the top 10. And I think, by and large, most people would say that AM has the better roster. So, is, is that fair? Yeah, I think it's more than fair. So uh, here's the question. And, and I'm sure you've tried to figure this out and you've written about it and you've talked about it probably to the point of you, you lay in your bed at night and repeat it to yourself. Why has Texas A&M with that roster that is so loaded with talent? Why have they been unable to get over the hump? It's not that they've been horrible, but like this year, I mean, the, the three losses they lost at Miami, excusable. They lost to Alabama. Most teams do. They lost at Tennessee. Tennessee's good at home. It's that's it's not an it's not an egregious loss, but collectively, you look at them and you go so. Texas A&M's just sort of mid, and and if that's the case with that roster, the the question begs to be asked: Why? Yeah, that's a great question, and yeah, I think a big part of it starts with your offensive line. In fact, I think the majority of it is. And and why aren't those guys play, playing better? And you know, some people want to uh, blame Steve Adazio, the offensive line coach. Okay, well, Jimbo had a chance to replace him last year and didn't. So everything always goes back to the head coach. Uh, if A&M can win, can, can block well, they have a chance to do great things. They have really good receivers that can make big plays. But, you know, Max is not the most mobile guy. If yeah. he gets ahead of steam, you know, then he can run well. But he's not, I guess, sudden, you know, like a Jackson Dart. Uh, you know, or a, for goodness sakes, Jaden Daniels, who you think you got him and he squirts away. Well, Max isn't going to do that. If he's ro- rolling away and he sees some opening, he can get a head start and he's 6'4", 230, and he can do some things running downfield. But he's not going to elude the pass rush that much. Right. When he breaks the pass rush, usually it's because he's just too strong and he shakes somebody off. But it's not because he's dodging. Um, so, but And then the whole thing against Miami – 
it's, it's like a different defense than we've seen all year. And I don't know how DJ was at Ole Miss. I didn't watch him that closely. But he's played a passive defense his first year and then in the Miami game. Now, I don't know if after the Miami game if he had an epiphany or if Jimbo then finally just said, look, dude, we are going to attack on defense. We're not going to play back and read and react. You got too many good players. It was it was head scratching because you're saying, look at all those guys you've got that are going to be high draft choices on defense and, 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 and you're just rushing two or three and putting a – a, a true freshman corner in one-on-one defense. What do you think is going to happen? Well, he's getting burned for a touchdown in the first half. And uh, there was just a lot of things that he was doing that didn't make sense. But since that game, they've really changed their approach to defense. Again, like I said, it's been more of attacking mode. Uh, and, and it's really paid off. And But then you get to the Tennessee and the Alabama game, and now the focus goes on offense because – you are in great position to win both of those games. And your offense just, in the second half especially, just went into the deep freeze. And why is that? They haven't scored an offensive touchdown since September the 20th. Uh, offensive right. touchdown in the second half in, since September in, 23rd against Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. They didn't score against Arkansas, uh, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina. That's bizarre. Right. It is. Uh, now, they did get touchdowns, but like you said, they weren't on the offense. Right. So, right. It's, you know what it kind of feels like here? It kind of feels like the last couple of years of less miles at LSU. When oh. everybody uh, – think about it. You know, remember the – I remember Ron Higgins, our, our good friend, uh, writer over in Baton Rouge, writing about the Stone Age offense of uh, less miles. Yeah. And I've got the vision of Jimbo Fisher – driving his truck that's 15 years old and it's just not as efficient as it used to be and everybody's mad at him in the highway and they're honking and people are having to go around him and he's saying by god this truck ran great for me 15 years ago so why should i change it so so i have to ask it's a great analogy but i have to ask this because i'm i think back to what lane said on monday in one of his 10 or 12 passive aggressive subtle digs a&M's harder to prepare for this year because schematically they're so much better, he said. He said that two or three times. Bobby Petrino, he, he's everyone is a genius. Bobby Petrino's really well thought of. He was the offensive quality control assistant at Jacksonville when Petrino was the offensive coordinator there. I mean, he went on and on and on about Petrino, and that was obviously you guys probably talked about Petrino to the point where you, you were exhausted of it, but Petrino's there with Fisher, and yet in the second half of games, the offense doesn't produce. Yeah, well, I've got another analogy for you. Go for right? it. So <laughs> here's what I think is going on with Biden. Now, look, we don't know. We don't get to go into the meetings, right? We're not in the press box with Bobby. But here's my theory based on what I've seen and what it looks like. I think Bobby is calling the plays just like Jimbo said he would. But I think he is told to call the plays in Jimbo's offense. Like, if you want to hire Bobby Flay, I want you, you're the greatest chef in the world. I want you to cook us a meal. But here's the meal you're going to cook. Here's the recipe. Here's the ingredients. And you got you cannot stray from this recipe because I had this 10 years ago, 15 years, and it was good. So, oh, but here's, this is great. If you, and feel free to use this. But Bobby Flay's a great example, right? You, you hire Bobby Flay as your chef in your restaurant. And Bobby Flay is known for what? Southwestern flavors and, and peppers and that kind of thing. And you say, no, no, no. Hey, look, we're, we're hiring you. 
but we're doing hamburgers. We're doing right. we're, we're doing this. We're not doing any of that. I don't want those fancy sauces. I don't no. want don't want the salsas. No peppers. No spicy. Yeah, no spice. Just yeah, that's a great. It's a it's, it's a great example. And so you so you neuter Bobby Flay. Right. That's what I think is going on. Now, if that could be dead wrong, it could be that Petrino was having a bad year. But based on what it looks like to me, and, you know, look, that I'm not going to ask somebody, I'm not going to ask Jimbo, hey, is, are, you, are you letting, what well, we actually have, are you letting uh, Bobby call the, the offense? Oh, yeah, he's calling the plays. No, no, offense. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, we, we all have, we all have input, you know, so – you know, you never get that answer, and I get it. Coaches aren't going to – no coach, not even Jimbo's ever going to say, oh, yeah, my offense isn't working or whatever, but uh, that, that's just the way it looks to me. And if, if you're not going to let Bobby have an influence, you know, if, if he doesn't have a – if he's just calling plays without a huge influence, and maybe, you know what, maybe he is, maybe he does have an influence, but you're, maybe it's your offensive line, he wants to do things – that your offensive line just doesn't give you the opportunity to do because you can't protect. It's hard to it's hard to go there because I, I go back to um, I was in Fayetteville a year ago for uh, my daughter's sorority's dad's weekend, and they were playing Petrino's team, and they scared the hell out of Arkansas. Yeah. And it was because of. It was because of the offense was so creative. It took Arkansas forever to sort of figure it out. That was Barry Odom. Now he's a pretty good defensive coach on the other yeah. side, and you know Arkansas eventually won the game. But that that, that Missouri State, I think that that Missouri State offense looks nothing like, or the Texas A and M offense looks nothing like what I saw from Missouri State that day, where they're moving the thing all over the field and right. lots of misdirection and 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 it's hard to it's hard for me to to buy. I'm not saying you're trying to sell it. But it's hard for me to buy that Texas A&M doesn't have offensive linemen capable of doing that, and Missouri State does. That makes no sense, right? Right, right. And um, you know, I don't know if you watched tape of or anything of the Aggies game last week against South Carolina, which does not have the pass rush that Ole Miss has. But they got three sacks in one in one series against A&M. Now they were the only three sacks they got all all game. So A&M adjusted, and maybe I, I think they're getting better in pass protection. Run blocking is not very good, but I think they're getting better in pass protection. Or is that because they're playing teams that maybe don't have great pass rushes? But you're right. They should be able to provide a little more protection. Max has to get the ball. Sometimes he holds the ball longer than he should. And you're thinking, why don't you just take – if you don't have your if, – if you're in your third read and it's not there, why don't you just take off running and maybe only get two yards, but at least you get two. Um, so, so it's not completely on the offensive line. And I guess the, the receivers could do it. Better job getting, you know, trying to get separation. There's not, it's not just on the line, but that's part of it. And let's be honest, I think you would agree. I think Lane, Saban, Kirby, all of them would say, hey, if I, if you're going to give me Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith, damn right I'll take them and I'll do something with them, right? right. And so AM has the receivers. They're just not, the offense just is stuck in neutral. I can't even imagine. What? How excited Lane Kiffin would be if you offered him Stewart and Anaya Smith. I mean, he. We're driven by the search for better, 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He would probably have to step into another room to compose himself for a moment. Uh, They're really good. They're really good. So I want to get into the game, and then I've I've got a big picture question at the end, but let's get into the game for a minute because I look at this from Ole Miss's perspective and go, okay, so here's here's the problem. And the reason I think the betting line is as low as it is. Texas A&M is so talented up front. Uh, the linebacker Cooper is a beast. He's he's a star. Um, and Ole Miss, Ole Miss is serviceable up front, and they have their moments up front offensively, but they've, they've struggled. And this is going to be the biggest challenge they've had since Alabama, and they did not handle that challenge very well at all. Um, can Ole Miss run the football against Texas A&M, and can they then stay out of those – uh, you know, third and longs that that put the quarterback in in jeopardy back there. A and M gets to the quarterback pretty well. They have three more sacks than Ole Miss, and that's been the big surprise for Ole Miss this year: their ability to get to the quarterback. But it really comes down to me, and I'm curious if you agree to just the two offensive lines, how they hold up against the opposing defenses, and for Ole Miss, a team that needs to score and get things moving a little bit to get the crowd in and all that stuff, scoring against that Texas A and M defense. Is, is going to be it's going to be a tall order. I don't it doesn't mean they can't do it, but they're gonna to have to really play a good game offensively. Yeah, I think you're on the right track. I think from the AM perspective, um, you've got to stop the run. Um, which they don't do against uh Ole Miss. The last three games, you know, last year what Ole Miss had like three hundred and ninety yards rushing. Yeah, Junkins uh, ran. Yeah. Yeah, Junkins was all everybody ran all over him, but especially Ole Miss. The year before that, I think Ole Miss had like two ninety. Uh and then even the year Ole Miss would have won if not for the Buddy Johnson picking up the, the fumble, uh, return it. Ole Miss had 250 yards rushing. So AM has a hard time stopping Ole Miss's running game. Now, AM's run defense last year was absolutely atrocious. This year is really good. Part of that, a big part of that, as you just mentioned, Edron Cooper. You know, he was a first year starter linebacker. Uh, he's made a quantum leap. Now, understanding how to play, always had the physical ability. Now, he understands what he's doing. Okay, quantum leap. And then they got this freshman linebacker that came in, Torian York, who uh, he's been the like the biggest surprise on the team. Love that. that they love that guy because he just knows how to play linebacker. Uh, and then when you add into that, 
McKinley Jackson missed a lot of time last year. Thank you, Mississippi, for sending him here. Uh, he's a big-time player. He's going to play in the NFL. Last year, he was in and out uh, the lineup, struggling with injuries. Now they, you know, they got him every game, and, and he makes a difference. And then guys, guys like Walter Nolan are, you know, I mean, they're they're men now. Last year, they were boys. You know, I mean, your first year freshman, I don't care how good you are, you're playing in the SEC against grown men. You're going to take your lumps. So all those things have contributed and made AM better against the run. Now, can you slow down that that run offense? They didn't do it against Tennessee. Now, they came back and said, well, I was talking to Shamar Turner, one of their better defensive linemen, and he said, uh, hey, why don't you all have trouble against Tennessee stopping the run? Well, they were doing some things we hadn't seen before. And we finally adjusted, which they did, and played better in the second half against the run. Well, apparently Ole Miss does some similar things, Tennessee, wide splits and things like that. Bryce Anderson, the nickelback, who's really good against the run, uh, he was hurt and didn't play against Tennessee. He's back in. Edron Cooper didn't play the second half because he got uh, hit in the head toward the end of the of the game uh, or end of the first half. So there's reasons from the AM perspective to think, hey – a&M could have some success uh, at least slowing down that, that, that Ole Miss rushing attack. Now, if you can do that, the next step is can you make – can you put it on Jackson Dart to beat you throwing the football? It seems to me – and I, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to watch a lot of Ole Miss games, just like you're not watching every A&M game because you're covering Ole Miss. But from the outside looking in, it seems to me that Jackson is a good passer, not a great passer. Um, I don't know what the situation is at uh, receiver. I understand they're getting healthy, but I don't know. You know, you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know if they have the the treadwheel, Moncrief. Uh, what's the kid that that got the big penalty at the end of the game against Mississippi State for acting like a dog? Elijah Moore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they have that kind of guy. Maybe they do, and I'm just not aware. The the the, the Trey. Trey uh, looks really good to me. Yeah. Louisiana Tech guy, heck of yeah. a way to recruit. Uh, they're like the Yankees, uh, <laughs> but but I don't know if they have the same caliber of receivers. Maybe they do. Maybe we find that out. But I'm just saying that if you can if you can keep Jackson in the pocket and making beat you through the passing game, then you have a, a much better chance to win. By the way, you got to keep him in the pocket. You'll remember last year, I don't know what Durkin was thinking, but he didn't put a spy on Dart. And I can remember a big play when Dart was looking at third and 11 uh, at his own five. And it, you'll remember the play. He's in the end zone being chased. Of course, no lineman's going to catch him, so he takes off running. And him didn't spy on him. So he runs 12 yards, gets a first down. They go down and score a touchdown instead of punting and giving and in the ball. So maybe DJ learned a lesson about, hey, I, I, I got to spy this kid. But if they can keep him in the pocket and make him beat you by throwing the football, then I think A&M has a chance. Can they do that? That's kind of alluding to what you were saying. Are, are you going to be able to win it? In the in the line, I think offensively, I think A and M's offensive line can do enough. A and M typically moves the football, but they move it between the twenties and then they break down in the red zone. This is a, 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 another problem that we can get into later if you want. So, yeah, we can get. Into, I'm curious on a lot of things. I have actually gotten a chance to watch a good bit of A and M, and and they've they they they're 
one of the more interesting teams to me in the league because I, I, I just look at them week after week and go, okay, this is the week they put it together. This is the week they're going to put it together. This is the week they're going to put it together. And here we are eight games in and you're running out of opportunities to put it together. And so now I get to the point where I'm like, well, they're probably not going to put it together because if they haven't put it together by now, they probably won't. And that's typically the case. So let me ask this because obviously it's the, it's the elephant in the room. In a scenario where Jimbo loses to Ole Miss and then loses at LSU, your son would be happy with that result at the last one. They, they lose at LSU. That's seven and five. That's giving them the other games against whoever the heck they play. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of talk. Seven and five. What what happens? Okay, here's what I think happens. Uh, I think they keep him, and he is highly encouraged to not just bring in an offensive coordinator to run to call plays, uh, but to uh, actually change the offense. And I, but I, here's why I think they keep him. First of all, the, the, the money, even for A and M, is astronomical. Do you want, as a program, maybe they don't care because they got plenty of money, but do you want, as a program, to say your last two coaches, you paid a hundred million dollars not to coach? Do you want that stigma on you? But beyond that, Neil, beyond that, think about this: if you can keep the nucleus. In this day of you know quit transfer portal, if you can keep the nucleus of that twenty twenty two recruiting class together, uh, which means Evan Stewart and Connor Wigman and Cam Dewberry guard and uh, uh, Walter Nolan, LT Overton, Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, you know I'm going Bryce Anderson, I'm going on and on. There's a lot of good players like that like Lane Kiffin was referring to. If you can keep the nucleus of that team intact, and maybe by keeping Jimbo you do, maybe not, but if you do, maybe you do, then at least on paper, you look like you have a roster capable of winning at a high level. And if you don't, you risk having a very fractured, inferior roster. Do you want to have that risk going into next season when let me tell you three teams that are going to be coming to college station next year <laughs> notre dame lsu and those uh, those damn texas longhorns <laughs> do you want to be playing texas after a decade of not playing them with an inferior roster no of course you don't but here, so here, let me play devil's advocate please you, do you bring in bobby petrino former nfl coach former SEC coach, I mean, a guy who won big at Arkansas. Everybody goes, well, you can't win big at Arkansas. And history says you're right. Petrino did. He did. I mean, before the motorcycle, they were they were winning. Um, he goes to Missouri State. He's his own guy. If Bobby Petrino gets hired and doesn't give, have the ability to run the offense, if I'm a young offensive coordinator, if I'm Jeff Lebby at Oklahoma, Texas ties, I'm just using him as an example. If he didn't let Petrino do it, are you really going to let me do it? I mean, I, that would be my that would be if I'm the OC that they're talking talking to. That would be my concern, right? And here's what I, I said at the beginning of this: I said highly encourage, which means Jimbo. It doesn't matter who's on the roster if we don't do something with this offense, we're not winning. So it doesn't matter. So if you so. so we do have the money to let you go, but if you want to stay around, there'd be a quid pro quo. 
there has to be a change in philosophy offensively, and you're going to have to accept it. So you make the call. You stay in or not. Because yeah. stay in okay. means we change the offense, right? So I think you have to take that kind of approach. Yeah. But, hey, what happens if they beat Ole Miss yeah. and, and go on a run? Then everybody's happy with him to a certain degree sure. anyway. Well, I think this is a critical game for both teams. Right? I, I do. I think it's huge. I, a lot of Ole Miss people – not not a lot, but some Ole Miss people are looking ahead to this Georgia game going, oh boy, what an opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. The opportunity is this one. If you beat A&M, you're going to beat ULM. And you should beat Mississippi State. It's a rivalry and blah, blah, blah. But you should beat Mississippi State. You're better than them this year. My money would be on Ole Miss. Yeah, that's 10 wins. That's assuming mm-hmm. a Georgia loss. I mean, in this right. scenario, they beat Texas A&M, they lose to Georgia. That's 10 wins. 10 wins does a couple things. One, it's Twice in three years that Lane Kiffin would have won 10 games at Ole Miss in a regular season, be the third time in the program's history. Pretty big deal. And two, going into this 12-team playoff scenario, you would go into this, not including Oklahoma and Texas, where they would sit in the ranking system. But you could make a real case. You could make a real case that you're the third best program in the SEC over the last two, three years. I mean, LSU would argue with you, but you would be right there. And you have scoreboard on them for this year anyway. Yeah, so you know, you'd have that that's pretty big going into recruiting, going into the portal, going into the twelve team playoff, all of those things as we approach a new era of college football. It, it it's a monumental game. And you're right, for Jimbo, a win over Ole Miss, they they've got a couple of games left, they go to Baton Rouge. It would silence a lot of that. He's they're not firing him at eight and four. They're not obviously not firing him at nine and three, but gosh, seven and five, there's gonna be some people that go, What are we doing? Well, they did fire their last coach after a seven and five season, but you didn't know him. You only owed him twenty five million. You didn't know him seventy eight million. And again, recruiting was suffering terribly under the previous coach. It's it's not now. It may start suffering if you don't start winning. They just had a couple of guys uh, decommit within the last month. Offensive guys, defensive guys are still on board, uh, and why not? But. Uh, yeah, I think it's I, – I, I can see why it's huge for uh, Ole Miss. I mean, what happens What happens if Ole Miss loses – beats A&M, loses to Georgia? If LSU beats uh, Alabama? What if it, What if the West ends in a three-way tie? I mean, you want to be in part of that, and who knows? Sure. If you get in there. So, um, if you beat Alabama I, – I mean, if you beat A&M, you, 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 you're obviously – I think even – with George coming up, you're still in the conference championship race. Yeah, and you're uh, definitely in the access bowl race. I mean, ten and two with your losses at Alabama and at Georgia, nobody's scoffing at either of those. It's ten wins. You'd probably they almost certainly go to the cotton or the orange or whatnot. That's a, look, I mean, it's not the playoff, but it is the next best thing. Right. And uh, so that's big for them. And for A&M, it's big just to, you know, final. You know, there's a – I'll tell you this, and no offense, okay, Mississippi folks, please don't take offense to this. But one of the sources of frustration is why can't you beat the Mississippi schools with all the resources you have, with all the player the, – the, the players that you have in Texas, and you're an hour and a half from Houston maybe – you're two hours and a half from Dallas, maybe, or East Texas, all those players. Why can't you consistently 
sweep the Mississippi schools. Instead, you consistently get swept by the Mississippi schools. That is a, a source of frustration and bewilderment here. I get it, 100%. So start beating the Mississippi schools, and then you can start maybe setting your sights on beating L- which they've actually done a pretty good, good job against LSU. I think Jimbo has a, a winning record at AM against LSU, believe it or not. And then you, know, then you can start uh, really getting serious about trying to get by Alabama just in time for there not to be divisions. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 that's been a, a, a common question is why do you struggle with the Mississippi schools so much? All right, last thing, a couple minutes. All right. How do you see Saturday playing out? I see a close game. I'm, I'm picking Ole Miss for two reasons. One, this team just seems to win. And then two, Lane is nineteen and two at home. They've they've been really good at home. Um, that's it. Other the, the matchup, I go. Whoa, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of, kind of. Don't hate A and M in the matchup. I just kind of like Ole Miss and the intangibles. I'm curious your thought. I'm going to take Ole Miss to win again in a close game, and I think A and M has more talent than Ole Miss. So I think A&M has the puncher's chance, maybe even a better than a puncher's chance. I would even put it like I think A&M might even have a 49 to 48% chance to win. Vegas agrees with you. Yeah, it's not, that's not an outlandish statement. But here's why I think well, I'll go with Ole Miss. First of all, A&M is 0-8 in its last, true, uh, its last eight true road games. I'm not talking about you know Dallas to play uh, – Arkansas. I'm yeah. talking about when you actually went to the other team's home field, you were 0-8. And, and that streak started with a 29-19 loss at Ole Miss. Um, so that's one. And then just and it pains me to say that, but just since the last two years, AM is I think lost off the top of my head seven, maybe eight games. Uh by one score or less. So just by track record, you just mentioned what Lane is at home, right? Well, AM's not good on the road, and track record, recent track record anyway, shows that a close game is not going to go AM's way. You know, they lost this year to Alabama by what, six? They lost to Tennessee by, by what was it, seven? Uh, and then last year, I think they lost six games, six of their losses including 31-28 to Ole Miss, yeah. was by six points or less. So until you can reverse that trend, don't you have to go in thinking, I don't care if you do have more talent, there's a disconnect somewhere. And until you reconnect that disconnect, I have to doubt you. Great stuff, man. I always enjoy talking to you. I look forward to seeing you on uh, Saturday in the press box. You're coming, right? Heck yeah, I'm coming. I always look forward to going to uh, Oxford. Maybe just well, it's an eleven o'clock game. I was gonna say maybe just maybe I'll get lucky enough to get an Ajax for lunch, but uh, maybe dinner. Probably won't won't be able to though. You could easily get in at lunch on Saturday if you went over there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dinner's probably gonna be a, a tougher might, deal, right? Might mess up your game coverage. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe so. Hey, uh, I, appreciate I, I appreciate it very much. I'll, I'll talk to you on Saturday. All right, Neil. I had fun. David Nuno of TexAgs.com, kind enough to spend some time with us. As always, I was on uh, David's show earlier this week, so super appreciate you uh, returning the favor.
You got it, my man. Love talking to you. I, I mentioned on the show yesterday, it was fun to bump into you at SEC Media Days because we always see each other like this, like this. right? I know. It was nice to chat a little bit there uh, when we got to do that there in Nashville. Yeah, you guys are uh, like maybe my favorite outlet out there. I, I I was joking around with Olin Buchanan earlier. People like to you know do some of the Aggie stuff and all that. I'm like, yeah, but those are the nicest guys. Those are the ones that are really fun to deal with. And what you guys have done with Tex Ags is it's inside baseball stuff so we won't spend any time on it but it it's it's remarkable what what has what billy and everybody there has accomplished with that network and the site and the whole multifaceted media thing it's something that i mean frankly you can probably tell at mpw we're like working to emulate some of those things well neil i uh i brag about this because it's, it's it's the truth i left a network uh you know local television in, in houston texas to go join billy i wasn't thrown out i decided to go because of what uh billy had been able to establish with tech Sags, the brand that they are and also not bad to cover your alma mater who uh since i've been here haven't been very good at football they've been okay uh, last year they were terrible and they were okay in 21 this year i still think at best they're okay but we'll see Podcast brought to you in part by Northeast Spark NESPRC. Service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, port controls, network security, and much more. So to get the best internet in Lafayette County, 662-238-3159. Are you a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands? Are you an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify? Either way, Andy Ludeke can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy. Put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You've got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Or 404-973-9901. Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, so much offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings uh, from beginner lessons to advanced to competing at nationally recognized competitions. It's also a great venue for uh, corporate outings, events, that type of thing. So get in touch with them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I'll be uh, taping Pete's Pigskin Preview this evening, getting you ready for uh, Texas A&M at Ole Miss. That's brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program? Riverland Roofing has you covered, home or business. As a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland services Mississippi and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. And are you ready for the ultimate college experience? Welcome to College Town Oxford, your new home away from home. They know you want the best. That's exactly what they offer. No more Long commutes or missing out on campus events at Ole Miss, College Town Oxford's right next door to the Ole Miss campus, offering two, three, four, and five bedroom cottages, each with individual leases because they believe in flexibility and simplicity. So don't break up the gang. Grab your friends, pick out your favorite floor plan, reserve it today at collegetownoxford.com. College Town Oxford, this must be the place. Text their VIP list today to be the first to know when their leasing for fall 2024 is open. 
300-3733. We're into November, and Heavenly Sunshine has Christmas on their mind. They're excited to announce holiday lights by Heavenly Sunshine. Christmas lights are beautiful. They can be a lot of work, so let them take care of the hassle and do the work for you with a full-service installation plan. They install, take down, and store the lights, commercial-grade LEDs. They're 100% customizable to your home or business. They take care of the lights. Why take care of the gifts? Free estimate for um, <clears throat> the end of the month. Mention MPW10 for 10% off. Heavenly Sunshine's been serving the Mid-South for four decades. Full-service commercial and residential property maintenance, including power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. That's heavenlysunshine.com. 662-342-1203. Find out a lot on Saturday, I think. I think this is a measuring stick game in different ways for both programs, both teams, Texas A&M and Ole Miss, 11 o'clock at uh, Vaught-Hemingway game on ESPN. Uh, as we record this, Texas A&M's a three, three-and-a-half-point underdog, depending on your your uh, website of choice. Um it's obviously a monumental game for Ole Miss in so many ways. As you and I were talking right before we got started, a win for Ole Miss, I think, puts them on path to win 10 games, assuming a Georgia loss and assuming a ULM win and an Egg Bowl win over Mississippi State, which is a bit of an assumption because that's a rivalry game. But Ole Miss is better than Mississippi State this year, and they should win the game. 10-2 and two would be the second time in three years for Lane Kiffin to do that. It would be the third time in the program's history with to win 10 regular season games. It establishes Ole Miss as a upper crust SEC program. It, they would no longer be the plucky little team that had a good year. All of a sudden you'd have to in the modern and listen, I don't know about whether you just whether you agree or disagree with this. I think there's a line of demarcation in college football. Yep. Between 2021 on and pre-2021. Because there's a different, you can build a roster in a completely different way today than you could in 2019. And then 2020 obviously was the COVID year that I just sort of throw out. And, you know, if you if you had some big accomplishment in 2020, I'm like, okay, cool. You get to count it. If your season went to hell in a handbasket in 2020, I'm like, feel free to throw it away. And Ole Miss had a pretty decent year. They went like five and five and won the Outback Bowl. And most people were generally pleased, but I'm like, whatever. I just sort of ignore that year for the most part. But 2021 on, there's a new system in play. And if Ole Miss were to win 10 regular season games, that would be twice in that new system. And you'd have to say, hey, this is a program that is formidable. Had AM followed up 2020, which was the last good year, right? They went nine and one, the Orange Bowl victory. With anything that was better than eight and four, then I'd be like, no, nah, 2020. But the further you get away from that, uh, it makes it feel like an outlier, unfortunately. That being said, uh, you, you talked about how big this game is for Lane Kiffin. I think it might be the biggest game in Jimbo Fisher's tenure at Texas A&M because of, you know, like who cares? that? I mean, I care that they beat Bama. They got that amazing recruiting class in 20, uh, 2022 because of that victory over Alabama. But it was still an eight and four year. Um, last year, they beat LSU on the last game of the season. Felt good for momentum heading into this season. Well, what does it mean if every year you're losing to the Mississippi schools? And I mean that with a lot of respect, but like you, you pay this head coach to be a 10-win team every year. I didn't think that this was a national championship program just because Jimbo Fisher came here, but I did expect that 9-3 and three to be the down year, all right? But we've had a 5-7. and seven. We've seen an 8-4. and four. And the way you've gotten there is that quarterbacks have gotten hurt every year, 21. Haynes goes down. Haynes King goes down. Uh, last year, not only does Haynes get hurt, Max Johnson gets hurt. This year, Connor Wigman, the guy who was playing at, I think, at a different level, and this season looks different with Connor Wigman, 
Doesn't mean, you know, they did lose to Miami with Connor, by the way, but it felt like it was going a different direction. You keep hurting your quarterback. If you beat Lane Kiffin on the road for the rivalry reasons of, of what those two coaches mean to each other and whatnot, um, and you break that streak of not winning on the road for almost, what, two plus years, right? If you're able to do that, then you think, you know what? This team who went five and seven last year with all this talent can go nine and three because then you believe you can win on the road at LSU if it happens or not. The belief is there. Um, and, and then you can sell that to recruits like, look, look at the improvement. Yeah, the offense struggled for a couple of weeks without Connor Wigman, but look at how they navigated through those issues and they finished nine and three with a chance to win 10 with a bowl game. Completely different storyline. You lose this one, you're probably going seven and five and sure looks better than last year. That's not what we signed up for. And you can make the conversation piece about Connor all day, but eventually that's the storyline. You keep getting quarterbacks hurt and your offense stops in mud when that happens. All right, so a couple of things, and I asked Owen about this, but I want to get your thoughts on it. it, it it's, it's kind of mind-numbing to me a little bit that the whole story during the offseason was, okay, well, they brought, they brought in Petrino. It's going to be different. And they did bring in Petrino and Lane Kiffin, and I'll ask you about Lane in a minute because Lane threw so much shade on Monday that it was, it was, there's just, I, I tried to catch it all and I didn't, I don't think I got it all. Um, but you know, he says, oh, they're, they're harder to prepare for because schematically they're better. Yet Texas A&M hasn't scored a second half touchdown offensively since September the 23rd against Auburn. And that includes a game against Arkansas, who's frankly not very good. So they, they can't score in the second half against teams. South Carolina's not very good. They couldn't score in that game. So it, it, it's, it's, I look at it and go, well, is this Petrino's offense or is it still Jimbo's offense with Petrino calling some plays from it? What, what's going on offensively? Because there was a, this isn't a criticism of any media, certainly, because you can only report what, you, what people tell you. But there was a, oh, no, it's going to be different. And now people are going, well, it's not different. It's the same. So what, what is it? Well, I think a couple things to say there. First off, it is different without Connor Wigman. That's yeah. just a fact, right? Yeah. Like you've got a, a quarterback that I think. So I, I do this exercise with people. H how does Ole Miss do without Jackson Dart? Are they as good? How does Alabama do if it's Tyler Buckner, right? Like, yes. so we as A&M fans don't want to hear that. It's the third straight year that this has been the, the talking point. And like Haynes King goes to Georgia Tech, looks kind of good there. He looks, I mean, he's not great, but he's looking pretty good. Yeah. But the, the, the facts are, you get to your backup quarterback in the SEC where all these games are tight anyway, it's going to be a problem. And I do believe if Tyler Buckner took over, and we're about to find out about the University of Texas, they got a Big 12 schedule, kind of a second, you know, it's, it's not the same competition as taking on Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, South Carolina, different level. But that is part of the conversation. But to me, it's really not about the offense. It's about the offensive line. And the lack of development on the offensive line, the lack of protection for these quarterbacks the last three years, that is the mind-boggling thing to me. Because, yeah, would I like to see a more creative offense and a little bit faster tempo? Sure I would, right? But in 2020, again, there is that line there. But in 2020, they had an excellent offensive line. The offense was not great either. But they wore you down at the end of games the way that Jimbo likes to do old school football. If this line and the blocking in general, running backs picking up blocks, tight ends, and the offensive line, if they can protect, they win games. Somehow, magically against LSU at the end of the last season, that offensive line figured it out. They aren't very good. 
that's just the facts. I love those kids. I mean, Layton Robinson is a, a leader and a warrior out there, and Bryce Foster has all the potential in the world. They just haven't figured it out. Is it Steve Adazio's fault? Is it a lack of development? Is I don't know what it is. I, honestly, I'm trying. I, every week we're trying to figure out the why behind it, but they're not consistently good. They rotate guys in and out. That's a problem, but they're doing it because they're trying to fr- find the right matchup. So a long-winded answer of telling you, I think it is a Jimbo Fisher offensive identity with Bobby Petrino's plays mixed in with Jimbo's conservatism, excuse me if I said that correctly, and also a factor on your backup quarterback who holds on to the ball way too long, often, and also an offensive line that doesn't hold their blocks very long. So that's a long winter of answer saying there's a lot of issues there, but if you fix the offensive line issues, which may not be fixed until next season, if you fix that, then you're going to score more points. And in the end of games, what is happening is I think that line's getting tired. Um, and they're just, and again, you got a quarterback who's getting hit a lot and he's probably a little gun shy at times. He's holding on to the ball too long. Um, and last week they should have scored a touchdown. They took one away from Max Wright. That was a touchdown. His foot dragged, but they didn't count it. Doesn't matter. It's not enough. They've been in the lead all these games, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, they, all these games, they've had a lead entering the half. The only game this season they didn't have a lead entering the half was the Miami game, and that was a mistake at the end of the first half that cost them that lead. Other than that, they have the, these leads. They need to figure out adjustments in the third quarter when teams are countering to what Texas a and doing. All right. Let's, for the sake of this question, let's assume a loss at Ole Miss and a loss to LSU. I'm not saying that they're going to lose those games, but let's just assume for the sake of this question that that, that, that occurs. What does the offseason look like for Jimbo Fisher? Not good. That top five or 10 recruiting class, whatever they are right now, after getting a couple guys to decommit last week, is not a top 10, top 20 uh, recruiting class. I don't even know if they're top 25. I mean, that's part of the conversation. They might be because we AM does have some pockets. We know that. And Jimbo is an elite recruiter, right? And other programs yep. have bad years um, and somehow keep top 25 classes. But I, I think that becomes a storyline. And then potentially a mass exodus, you know, because that to me, in that scenario, that means the offense hasn't figured it out this year. And you've got guys on offense that want to, you know, score and be a part of an offense that, you know, uh, excites you and, and moves the ball. So I think the team's going to look completely different. I think there will be some coaching changes to his staff. I don't think Jimbo Fisher gets fired at 7-5. and five. I don't. Um, if you think he should or shouldn't, the contract is what it is. And, and by the way, this depends how they lose too, right? They get embarrassed by the Mississippi schools or if they, you know, like it, that, that changes it, right? If LSU embarrasses them, Mississippi State somehow gets a, that changes the conversation. But at seven and five under the scenario where they lose these games late in the fourth quarter on the road, like they've done over the last couple of years, I don't think they fire Jimbo Fisher. They give him another year. They have to make some changes to that staff. And they hope that Connor Wigman healthy keeps some of those guys around because I don't think Connor's going anywhere. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. He seems to the kind of guy that is pretty invested in what they're doing here. Uh, and then you have to give it another try next year with a different staff. I think that's what it looks like. Um, how many staff changes? Um, you just look at the areas of concern for AM, and that'll be the changes. I think Bobby Petrino's back. Um, potentially, you, you could look at some other areas on the offense that need to be fixed. Defense seems to be fine. They've got to develop on the back end, the defensive backs. But I think the defense, they'll have some guys go to the NFL, but there's 
Hopefully not too many of those guys leave because the defense hasn't been the problem. There has been development. Linebackers look excellent this year after a year of not looking good. The front is the front. You know, they get after it. So I think it's really all about the offense looking different. For Ole Miss, it's all about running the football. It always has been. Early in the season when they struggled to run it, Lane Kiffin was kind of kept getting asked, why, why do you keep running it? Why do you keep running it? Because the offense is dependent on running it. We're gonna, we've always figured it out. We're going to figure it out. We have to figure it out. And it appears that they have figured it out. They're running the ball better. A&M is really talented, as you mentioned, up front. Their linebacker play is fantastic. Cooper, the young kid, uh, they're really good players. How do you anticipate A&M handling the Ole Miss running game can they stop it and put the game in Jackson Dart's hands as a thrower so that's the one question I have because I don't know and the reason I don't know is we just A&M has stopped everybody's run game Alabama you name it they stopped except one team that being Tennessee what does Tennessee do well they spread you out and they make you stop them now they did play that game without Edron Cooper for a half they did play that game without Bryce Anderson um, who's a safety who is huge in stopping the run who's got a bunch of sacks this year uh, that was a part of it, but they gave up 232 yards on the ground. Uh, I know that they've made some adjustments. They've mentioned that they've, that was the first time they'd seen that. They think they can handle it. I'm going to be very honest with you. That is a question. What is stopping the Ole Miss run? Do you keep them to 185 yards and feel good? Do you keep them to 150? I mean, that would be fantastic, right? They've kept Alabama under 50 yards. They've kept certain teams down, but they run the ball differently. To me is, can they minimize that run? And then also... How much pride do these guys have? Because last year, Ole Miss ran for 390 at Caulfield and took some pictures uh, on, on the logo, and Lane Kiffin had his comments. This game should be personal for A&M. Now, I'm one of those in college football that likes these storylines. right? I, I like Lane Kiffin a lot, and I dislike him, if that makes any sense. Like, sure, I get I think it. He's great for college football. I don't like that he picks up my school, but like the presser that we were, I'm sure we're about to talk about, yeah. like everything he did was pretty much true right so you can't get mad at him for it but you can show him that maybe he's wrong this time right like so there there is that part of it uh, but stopping the run i think they can minimize uh, i don't think Ole Miss is running for 390 on AM, even at home um, i think they're a much better defense than they were last year the proof is in the numbers uh, what worries me more than anything is jackson dart and you told us on our show just yesterday that i i think that he's a little banged up Jackson Dart was the reason that run game last year, I think, really got A&M. Yeah, Jenkins was great. Of course, he's always great. But his ability on third and long, especially that one he was backed up in the end zone to get out, like that is what worries me. Are they going to spy uh, Jackson Dart? Are they going? Because I think Quinshawn is going to get his, right? That like He is, and Bentley is going to get his, or uh, Ulysses Bentley. Did I say yeah. that correctly? Yep. He's going to get his. Uh, but... Jackson Dart, can you minimize that? I think AM can do a really good job there. I think they'll do better than they did against Tennessee. But I also think Jackson Dart's a better quarterback than Joe Milton, and that's going to be the dangerous part. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. David Nuno of TechSags with us. All right, so let's talk about the press conference. I was in the room. Uh, 
I, I was the one that if you heard a couple of times someone almost laugh out loud, that was me. I, I was amused by the entire performance from Kiffin. It was 10 minutes of he was very stoic and very quiet and just throwing shade after shade after shade after shade at someone that he very clearly does not like in Jimbo Fisher. Um, yet he did it in a way where if you just read the transcript, you're like, well, it's kind of hard to argue with a lot of those things. A&M should be better than they are. They, they do have elite talent. Lane would kill for Evan Stewart, uh, yep, yep. Anias. Uh, he, he would love those guys. I mean, he would do anything to have some of those guys. He would love to have McKinley Jackson on his defensive line. He would love to have Edger and Cooper as one of his linebackers. I mean, yeah, for sure. And so when he says all those things, I'm like, well, he's not lying. He is throwing shade, and he is absolutely taking some shots at Jimbo here, but he's doing it in a way that – is defensible. I'm curious how it was received in College Station. It was received just like that. Like, man, well, this guy shut up, but he ain't wrong. That's really what it was. Like, everything he said was on point. I think the issues with Lane are because the way he handled post game last year. He went on that Twitter tirade. I mean, he he. It doesn't see. It seems like he doesn't miss an opportunity to come at A&M or Jimbo. And I think he comes at A&M because of Jimbo. I don't think he's got a problem with the university, the pro, oh, right? Like, it, I don't, it's Jimbo. It, it's it's Jimbo. Jimbo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. And we have our issues with Jimbo, but he's our guy, right? And, and look, when Jimbo went after Nick Saban, we loved it. We applauded it. But it didn't open the door to this, right? Like now, like, all right, your game – Lane is an assassin with his words. He's great. Like he's fantastic. He is he is comedy. I don't like it at the expense of my school, but he isn't wrong. I wish he'd show a little bit more class at times. But that's Lane. Like some of my favorite athletes in sports, Charles Barkley, Sergio Ramos in soccer, the uh Draymond Green, who a lot of people hate. The, what you love about him, you also hate about him. They play with this edge and they go these areas that you're like, you don't have to go there. But when they do it and they're on your side, you're like, ah, I love it. So that's a little bit of lane that I appreciate, right? Uh, look, calling Bryce Anderson the B word last year on the field, I understood the why behind it, but like, I didn't like it. And I'm hoping those players are, are making notes. And I know some of them are. Uh, the, the, the issues with Jimbo, I hope they want to protect their guy. And I also recognize that Lane felt like whatever, I think Lane took the first you know, strike at Jimbo last year, and then Jimbo responded with the clown comments. All you do in that situation is open the door like, oh, now it's game, right? And and Lane looks forward to that. So it's personal between the two. Jimbo typically takes the high road in these press conferences. The way to take the highest of roads is to dominate. Yeah, win the game in, yeah. in, in, in a dominant fashion. But they haven't dominated anybody uh, from a Power 5 school. They just, I mean... Arkansas, it felt like they were dominating them, but it wasn't a dot. They played a great half against Auburn. They played a great half. Uh, but this is a different level of opponent. This is the number 10 team in the college football playoff ranking. It's a team that's probably going to finish 9 and 3, 10 and 2. So, like, you know, and, and, and I know there's some that think they may beat Georgia. So I, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but this is a really good Ole Miss team that I thought would take a step back this year. And I think a lot of people did too. But yet here they are, and uh, with an opportunity at home to really silence uh, Jimbo for a third straight year. Yeah, it's it's some of what he was saying. You know, the, the Ole Miss people, I think a lot of them got it. Some really didn't or didn't understand it. I mean, he if 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 Lane could build a roster the way that Jimbo has built the roster, that is the route that Lane would rather take. 
he has been unable to get that type of recruiting momentum with high school kids. Uh, starting to have more with the class they're putting together now, but but over the last couple of years, they haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to recruit those kids in mass the way that Texas A&M has, and, and instead they've had to build through the portal. And so I think it's a twofold thing. He's A, saying he, – he means it sarcastically, yet at the same time he means it, that, hey, kudos to them for putting it together like that. That's how you do it, right? And then he's also sending a message to his guys that – you you get to beat all the five stars. You can you can, hey nobody they, they they didn't want you out of the portal right. And so he's doing he's doing a lot of psychology. He is he's a master with words. He he, he sometimes goes like there's a reporter that um wrote the story last year on the Monday that Lane was going to Auburn and sometimes Lane will just take a shot like he kind of did it this week at John Sokoloff and we're all on the beat going really again, but it's just. It's just kind of lame, and you get used to it after a while. And I agree with you. Like the same thing I say about Deion Sanders and some of the other people. These people, Elaine Kiffin is great for college football. There is a reason that writers for click-based sites take every opportunity they can to put Lane Kiffin's picture above their stories. He is brilliant for his brand and what he's trying to do. Um, and he has really redefined the way we see him as a coach the last few years. And by the way, I think Jimbo in the same, in, in a different way, is clickbait, right? Um, but his is more because beyond the Nick uh, Saban feud, beyond that is because he's recruited at such a high level um, and continues to do it. And the last few years, there haven't been the results. And at the end of this year, it will not be enough for those people. But if somehow A&M, and I say somehow because I don't, I don't have faith right now, like they haven't won on the road, but if somehow A&M, can go nine and three with a potential bowl win, then you feel like, all right, we can we can slow down on the Jimbo criticism for an offseason because it looks like he actually is building something. Sure, 100%. Um, but if they go seven and five, <laughs> is that, right. that's what they're paying for? Okay. As we start to wrap up, that leads to the questions. For Texas A&M to go nine and three, period, they have to go to Ole Miss and win, and they have to go to LSU and win. They've lost they, their last eight road games. What is it about the road that is hurting them is one of the things Lane said that I think some people thought it was shade and actually it really wasn't. They're not the same team on the road that they are at Kyle Field. Well, I think you've seen it here. Uh, Ole Miss won a, a close game last year. This place is magical. I, and I think most SEC schools are magical at night, you know, like, but I think there's an elevated level of help that the 12th man does give. It's not just, look, does the 12th man get you a, a fourth and one? No, but they do cause a little panic sometimes they do you know f call some false starts and there's an energy that builds with that when they score and when they move so th that that is part of it oh it's a the real thing i mean Ole miss Ole miss beat lsu this year in large part at the very end of the game because lsu that offense which is dynamic it is fantastic uh, Jaden daniels is just having an amazing season but at the end of the game going into the Ole miss student section they got two false starts with 20 seconds or after whatever it was those were those were end up being 10 huge yards yeah road i mean that stuff it it matters absolutely i didn't mean to interrupt you but just to, no, you're yeah. good i think that's part of it i think also uh, when your offense struggles to block anyway on the road it's going to be even harder right it's going to be so that's part of it and i still haven't figured out the why and jimbo's given some good reasons for academics but they travel on thursday right like they they don't travel on Friday for Saturday games. They travel on Thursday to have a full day of academics on the road. And look, 
All I know is, I don't know if I disagree with that because I love the academics being a part of the, the, the reasoning that he gives for that. But when things don't go right, you got to change things up. The offense didn't go right last year, so he went and got one of the best offensive coordinators out there. You can say he's from an old generation, but they got Bobby Petrino. They changed something up. They might need to figure out that part of it if you keep losing on the road and you keep traveling on Thursdays. Maybe you try next season traveling on a Friday and see if that has an effect. Maybe that full day, I don't know. I'm searching for answers here. They're searching for answers, but it starts with blocking to me and potentially maybe rearranging their schedule. All right, last thing. How do you see Saturday playing out? Until AM wins on the road, I don't see them winning on the road. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game because all these AM games are close games in the SEC, and they're going to have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. If they can actually block, they might win on the road, but they haven't done that. So I can't sit here today and be like, I'm predicting a win because I'm not. They've lost eight in a row on the road. It goes back to Missouri, the game after Alabama, 2021. That's the last time they won on the road. So they've got to. But if they do win, then I do believe they can win in Baton Rouge. Doesn't mean they will win. Right. But if they win at Ole Miss, they can win at Baton Rouge, something they haven't done since the mid-90s. Should be interesting. I really appreciate your time, as always, David. I really, really enjoy your work. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Ben Mintz, Barstool Sports, kind enough to join us live from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Far cry from where he was last week when you were uh, back in, in New Orleans. Uh, ben, welcome into the show. Appreciate you being here. Always great to be here. Uh, getting getting settled into the north. Uh, nothing like quite quite like just getting snowed on completely on Halloween to welcome myself to the great north. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'll say this. I got to hang out in the Barstool office on Sunday for the first time for its streams. It's spectacular. This is about to be, you know, as excited as I've said I've been, this is about to be an unbelievable era. The positive energy, all that's everywhere. Uh, I, I know I'm making the right decision moving up here, but it is an adjustment period. Yeah, it was 27 in Oxford on uh, Halloween night. I, I, I saw your some of your pictures from uh, Grand Rapids. It looked like it was considerably colder uh, there than it was here. Yeah, it, it was definitely cold. We got snowed on, but you know what? I, I'm like a – I'm kind of big into the adventure stuff. I just love like randomly, you know, one else. I've never been to Michigan before. And I end up up here for Halloween to see Billy Strings. Uh, saw an unbelievable four and a half hour rock and roll show last night. And, you know, we're off to a good start. Uh, the big thing now is getting settled, though, in Chicago. Uh, we got a big weekend of college football streams, the LSU Bama and Saints Bears. And we have our Barstool Invitational next week. Mississippi State's playing in with Arizona State, Loyola, Fort Atlantic. And I'll go ahead and say this. Hey, we're on the Ole Miss thing. I booked my flight to Atlanta for Athens yesterday. So, How about that? Doing, doing, doing Athens. Not, not doing A&M, but doing Athens. So. All right. So before Ole Miss can get to Georgia, they got to go uh, through Texas A&M. This is a, uh, it's a big game. This line has stayed at four, three, three and a half. It's been right there that, in that area. I saw, uh, I believe you commented on Twitter or X or whatever we call it these days that you, you were surprised that the number was that low, that you, you, you thought it would be a higher number. Uh, what, what do you think about this game Saturday?
having a, we're having a little bit of a technical issue with Ben. In case yeah, I'm real big into that all the time. I think A&M's going to win. It's because their defensive line and linebackers. They're going to have to win the game battle line scrimmage because Pete Golding and the Ole Miss defense, I don't see A&M being able to score too, too much. When I've seen A&M's offense and how well Ole Miss's defense is playing – I mean, I don't think A&M is going to be able to score. There's no, I don't see them getting to 30, that's for sure. I mean, I think low 20s maybe. But I thought the line would be a couple points higher specifically because A&M's lost, what, seven, eight straight SEC road games? The only road games they win are when they yeah. – and Ole Miss is 19-2 in their last 21 with Lane at home. And so I just thought off the home road splits, Ole Miss would be a bigger favorite. A lot of that has to do – with the power rankings recruiting and, you know, Lane's been talking all week about all the four stars and five stars they got. I mean, I guess that's what it is, but you know, it, it just seems a little weird being three and I'm not freaking out about it. I mean, I think Ole Miss is a better team and they're at home. They should win, but you know, it did definitely make me double take. Yeah. Um, I think people missed a little bit of that, but you're right. They've, they've lost eight straight road games. Texas A&M has, and uh, Ole Miss is 19 and two at home under lane. Uh, they, they, the, the numbers, numbers are what the numbers are. It's, it's, it's it, there's some matchup issues, obviously that people look at. I think both offensive lines are going to struggle with the opposing defensive line, but quite frankly, I think that's a sign of something that's coming just in college football in general. Offensive line play is overall down. Defensive line play is overall up. I think you're singing, you're seeing a, a swing back towards defense a little bit. There was an interesting uh, note in something I read about the Big Ten West. Actually, you know, they were talking about all the talk about Iowa and offensive production, and they're like five of the seven teams in the Big Ten West would be in trouble if they had that same stipulation in the contract. People just aren't scoring as much as they they have in the past, and that's that's some. I think it's some trends in college football that are beginning to come to fruition do you, do you some of it has to do with the first down clock thing the game being a little faster i think that's part of it i think it's uh it, it the game's going quicker there's fewer plays uh and then i think it's just a quarterback issue there 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 aren't as many um quarterbacks who can manage it it's it's difficult and again i just think it's getting guys protected getting guys blocked defenses are better um I just think it's a bunch of stuff. I think there's just a lot of things there. It's one of the reasons I've seen a lot of people going, hey, if you want to make a lot of money in betting college football, bet unders. I haven't done that. I don't know it well enough to do it, but I hear a lot of people going, just bet unders. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned it because I am looking at under 53 and a half here in this game just off you saying that because I – I, I just don't see how A&M is going to be able to score a lot of points against Ole Miss. I am concerned about their front seven, though. And all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss has kind of been playing some unders. I mean, 33-7 last week, 28-14 against Auburn, 27-20 against Arkansas. I mean, you know, when you think Ole Miss and Lane, you think of these shootouts, but this Pete Golding defense has been the story of the season. I mean, other than the LSU game, the defense has been awesome. I guess the first half against Tulane in the LSU game. But other than that, defense has been spectacular. And so I, I, I think I'm going to look at under here. Um, let's talk about a couple of the other games out there. I want to get your thoughts. This you, you you spent a lot of time in Louisiana. You know a lot of people around LSU. Not a lot of people giving LSU a lot of chance in Tuscaloosa, yet Vegas is. The number has stayed pretty small. I don't hear a lot of people talking about LSU winning. Um, I can't decide which way I'm going. I do think this is an eminently winnable game for LSU and Baton Rouge. I mean, in Tuscaloosa. I think LSU. Well, you're about to hear one that thinks LSU's going to win. Uh, I think LSU's going to outscore them. I don't. You know, I think we saw it 
with LSU playing Missouri, Ole Miss, and uh, Auburn. I mean, Alabama has great defense, but I think LSU scores on anybody this year. I mean, I just think their offense is at that level. I'm not saying it's quite 2019, but, I mean, it's the best one in college football. The defensive side of the ball is can LSU get a few stops? But I think Milrose inconsistent enough to where they will. Like, I, I – and then also LSU made a move a couple weeks ago. They went and got defensive line coach Pete Jenkins, who has a long story career. They went and got him back a few weeks ago. And I think the D-line's playing better. The secondary still a lot of questions. You know, the Greg Brooks thing, him having cancer and being at St. Jude, he was like they're one of their leaders. And they don't have depth. They got a lot of like McNeese State, Southeast Louisiana transfers out there. It's not great. But I do think the D-line's playing better. And I think Vegas kind of made a statement with this one. This line was three and a half. Now it's three. I mean, I think LSU is going to go in there and do it. I think it's going to be kind of similar to the 2019 game, maybe not quite as high scoring. But I actually believe LSU goes and gets this done. And, you know, for Ole Miss' sake, I mean, it's it's kind of funny, but I guess every Ole Miss fan's pulling for LSU here with the uh, SEC West race stuff. You have the to. Bama if, you're, if you're an yeah. Ole Miss fan, and if you're an Ole Miss fan and you beat Texas A&M on Saturday morning, as much as it might pain you, you've got to put some purple and gold on somewhere because you, LSU can make this thing interesting with the win over Alabama. Yeah, no, I think they're going to go do it. I really do. I, I think it's the Alabama offense is inconsistent, and uh, I think Daniels has a shot at the Heisman. And you know, I think LSU's D line they'll get. You know, I'm not saying LSU's defense is going to play great, but I think they can get enough stops to where they win like 41-34. I mean, I think it's going to be high scoring. I, and I also like over 60-and-a-half as long as the weather's good. I, I just I just don't think anybody's stopping LSU this year. I think that offense is that good. Uh, you'll be in Athens next week. Missouri will be there this week. Uh, Missouri's a 15-point dog. Is there any chance in, in your mind for Missouri pulling off the monumental upset here? I think Georgia's going to be ready for this one because I don't know if you remember the game last year. Georgia was losing 19-9 to early in the fourth quarter up there in Columbia in a real trap spot. And, you know, we saw Georgia came with a huge effort against Florida. Now at home, I don't I – don't, I mean, there's always a chance. I'm not saying that, but I, I don't think they can do it. I think Georgia if, – if Georgia had to go to Missouri and to Ole Miss, I think there's a chance they could get tripped up in one of those. But the fact that these games are in Athens is a huge, huge benefit for them. Just touching a couple of SEC games that people might be interested in from a betting perspective. Uh, Arkansas getting six at Florida. Any any thoughts on that one? And that one really, I, I was trying to figure that one out because I think the team still, you know, the players like Sam Pittman, so I think they'll still play hard. Florida's off that loss. It's an 11 a.m. game. I, I, that that one honestly was a pass to me. Auburn giving 12 and a I half. Do have a Auburn, Vandy. Uh, one I want to comment on, actually. Here's a wild call coming from me, and okay. uh, y'all can. I want y'all to remember me saying this. Watch out for Jacksonville State to possibly beat South Carolina. They're five to one money line. They're plus sixteen. South Carolina's whole offensive line's hurt. They're in shambles. They're two and six. It's an eleven a.m. kickoff. I don't think the atmosphere is going to be that good. Rich Rod has Jacksonville State playing some good football, and they've been really good this year, and you know he's going to have them ready. I mean, he's probably trying to get a bigger job and winning an SEC game. Here would do it. Uh, be on the lookout for Jacksonville State to possibly upset South Carolina. I mean, I'm I agree with you. One money. I agree with you. It's, I, you know, I do this thing with Siski every week where I pick a money line, and I, I've, I've actually been really – it's the only thing I've been good at is the money lines, and I'm, it's, it's on my short list. Five to one is a heck of a price, but that's what I'm looking at. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through the big ones. 
No, uh, Clemson's like a system play plus three against Notre Dame, but man, it's just so hard to take them with the way they're playing. Um, but I think I'm probably going to take them small. I don't have a strong opinion on Kansas State, Texas. Uh, Kansas State is so good at home, though. They're home road. It's like there's like a few teams. It's like Kansas State, BYU, Texas Tech, West Virginia to an extent, Boise State. Just take them at home and bet against them on the road. It's the simplest thing ever. These teams have just the craziest home road splits, and Kansas State's uh, certainly one of those. Uh, scrolling through the other, let's see the other, the other quick big ones: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I was on Oklahoma State, huge. I said it last week. That's Cincinnati game. So they're three or four touchdowns. They've kind of figured. Man, I tell you what. I gotta give Gundy some credit. Everybody was putting him in his grave after that South Alabama beatdown, and they have got it together. And now they're getting five and a half at home in Bedlam. Uh, the Bedlam games, even though sixty and a half is a high total, I'm looking at over. Those games are usually shootouts, but I wouldn't be shocked if Oklahoma State wins this game too. I, I, I really wouldn't. I think that's going to be a wild one uh, down, kind of down to the wire. Watch out for Maryland to possibly bounce back and upset Penn State, even though they lost to Northwestern. It's seems like a bounce back spot. Maryland's the most inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting week to week from them. Uh, in, in general, I have not Auburn Vandy you asked about. I don't really have an opinion on that one. Auburn last week, got to give them credit though. Free, I forgot how much Freeze hates Mississippi State. He had them ready for that game. You know, that was kind of something. A game a lot of people thought State might have a chance in. They didn't. Uh, I like the under a lot in Oregon State, Colorado. I think it's 10 to 15 points too high. It's 62 and a half. Colorado is weak in the trenches, so any teams that have good defense, they're getting beat up at the line of scrimmage. They can't score. And Oregon State likes to run and grind it out. DJ is not that great, and they're, they don't have that many explosive playmakers. So, I mean, 62 and a half, that's crazy. I mean, I think that game's going to have like mid-40s of points. So, that's a that's a really strong uh, over-under play. And, uh, last two I was looking at, I think Liberty's going to destroy Louisiana Tech. It's like 16 and a half. I think, I think it went by 40. And I sort of like Iowa State, by two and a half at home against Kansas. Iowa State, Matt Campbell, has got it together the last four or five weeks. I think they're catching Kansas in a real good spot off that Oklahoma upset. And now they got to go on the road to Ames, Iowa, which is a weird place to go. So Before we just roll through the NFL, and we'll keep it really quick this week because both of us are on a time crunch here. Um, Kentucky at Mississippi State, the Wildcats giving three and a half. Any thoughts on that one? I mean, not really. State should stay. I expect State to still play hard at home. Kentucky. I mean, I, that was one of the ones I lost last week. Got another. I had another great. By the way, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm. Last three college football Saturdays and eight NFL Sundays. This is the big. I think this may be the hottest I've ever been. I mean, I'm just throwing flames right now. Um, but uh, I'm Mississippi State or nothing here. But I think I'm nothing. All right, your boy needs some help in the NFL. So we're going to roll through these. Tell me when if something grabs you. Okay, we got the Titans. Okay, I've already I already looked at. So I've been doing a thing where on Tuesdays now I take a super deep dive and go over everything. I think okay. that's why I'm doing well. Is I get like a big feel for it. All right, got Tennessee at Pittsburgh. The uh, Titans, a two-and-a-half-point road dog in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a dog, by the way. They burned me last week. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going with them yet ever again. Yeah, that boy, when they stink, they stink on offense. Matt Canada's the worst offensive coordinator. I don't awful. know how he's got – I mean, he's, he's been – he's awful. I don't understand how they got him. I don't know if Pickett's going yet. Uh, got to give Will Levis credit. I, I didn't see the four-touchdown effort coming, that's for sure. Um, but – but in this one, I mean, I'm going to wait and check weather, but I think I might go under here because I'm still not sold Levis as like the second coming off that one game, and Pittsburgh's offense is, is rough. Got a European game, a good game, Miami and Kansas City. The uh, Dolphins getting two and a half against the Chiefs. I'm kind of leaning Miami here. I think the Chiefs, I mean, we saw how bad the effort was in Denver. 
I kind of think the Chiefs might be going through a lull. They've already kind of got this division wrapped up. They're the only team over 500. And my, I mean, watch out for Tyreek Kill against the Chiefs. I think Miami will be up for this game. So I'm, I'm leaning Miami plus two and a half. I think KC, they're still six and two, so there's no reason to hit the panic button. But I kind of think they're going through a, a bad couple-week stretch, and their wide receiver plays terrible. Interesting game here. Seattle getting six at Baltimore. The Seahawks have been playing pretty well of late. Baltimore's been pretty pretty solid, especially at home. But six is a fairly big number. Um, yeah, I think I'm Seattle or nothing. I went through this one and didn't have too strong of a read. Seattle's actually played well traveling cross country in these early games lately. And that's, you know, usually that's a spot where you're going against these West Coast teams. But they've been ready for them lately. And they are playing pretty good. Uh, I was going to sit back and just enjoy watching this one. Maybe Seattle, that line went up, though. went up from five or six, and maybe I end up on Seattle just because it's a lot of points. Uh, Browns have been schizophrenic. They're an eight-point favorite at home against the Cardinals team that isn't any good, but, God, they play hard and they keep doing backdoor covers. I, I wouldn't touch this. I'm curious whether you have a play on it. Yeah, that's about where I'm at, too. Um, I don't think Arizona's good. I'm curious. So they just traded Dobbs to the Vikings. I don't know. Does that mean Kyler Murray's going? Sunday? That's my assumption is that Murray's back. Yeah, well, that's a weird one to trot him out at Cleveland and against that D line and bad, you know, and a, that's not that's not the easiest first game for him. I expect him to struggle. Uh, good bit in that one, but no, I didn't. Have, I mean, I'm Cleveland or nothing, but eight's a lot for Cleveland with their quarterback play too. But and like you said, Arizona just has this propensity to to get you at the end. All right, here's one that I kind of like. I need you to talk me out of it. The uh, Bears suck, and they go to New Orleans. New Orleans looked like they found some things on offense with uh, with Carr and the receivers last week. And it's playing off one week, and you can do you can burn yourself with NFL stuff playing things off one week. But Saints minus eight against the Bears. I'm leaning Saints here. I mean, it's tough to lay eight with how bad the Saints' offense has been this year. But the Saints' offense actually caught fire in that second half of the Jaguars game two weeks ago. They played really well in that second half, and they played really well against the Colts. Colts' defense stinks. But uh, I've seen enough of this Bears thing. I mean, Fields is out. That rookie, I mean, he looked really bad on Sunday Night Football. And, I mean, I think the Saints are tied for first and should be fired up. So, I'm, I lean the Saints here. Uh, Commanders getting three and a half in New England. Oh, man. Uh, your guess is good as mine on that one. That's just a bad, ugly game that I think I'm passing on. All right. Vikings without Kirk Cousins now head to Atlanta. They're getting five against the Falcons. Uh, all right. This is the one that's – I hate saying this because I'm a Saints fan, but I've been talking about this angle forever. Uh, I think they put Heineke in in the second half finally last week. He's a hell of a lot better than Ritter. I mean, a lot better. I think it kind of reminds me of when the Titans went from Mariota to Tannehill in 19. And watch out for these Atlanta overs. Uh, it's 37 and a half. I think with Haneke starting at quarterback, these games are going to be 7 to 10 points higher every week. Okay. I think it makes that difference. I'd also be on the lookout for Kyle Pitts and Drake London overs on their totals. I think both of them are going to benefit. And I think I hate to say this, but I think you know Atlanta is going to be – I think Atlanta is about to improve a lot. So I'm looking at them in this game too, especially with Minnesota, the Cousins right. thing. So I think I'm going Atlanta and over. That's going to be one of the biggest games of the week is that game. We're on the same page so far today. All right, uh, Bucks at Titans. The Bucks getting two and a half. I'm not Titans, Texans. Bucks getting two and a half in Houston. I think I like Houston here. I know they had a, they, you know, when you got a young quarterback, you had a bad effort on the road at Carolina. I get that. I told y'all I kind of like Houston, but I think they'll bounce back. I think that's part of being a young team. You know, sometimes uh, it's weird going on the road as a favorite. But I like what I've seen from Houston so far. I think they played pretty well at home, and I, I do not like what I'm seeing out of Tampa's offense lately. I mean, they hadn't scored 20 points the last few weeks. So 
I'm going to take Houston to bounce back here. All right. Uh, the Rams getting three in Green Bay. I have a new – I tweeted this out yesterday. I have a new system. If Jordan loves starting at quarterback, I like the under. <laughs> I've seen enough. I mean, they, every game, it's just a disaster. He's, third, he's terrible. Is the number here. That's a, it's a, I know. It, I think Stafford hurt his hand, though, last week. Remember, he, he got banged up a little bit. So, with him dealing with that and the love thing, I, I'm going under 39 and a half. I just I – don't, I just – I don't know, man. He's not accurate. He's not good. And it, it, Green Bay's full. They had Farvin Rodgers since the 90s. So, I mean, they're kind of do this. Uh, this is a dog of a game. Only a mom could love. The Colts go to Carolina to play the Panthers. The Panthers getting two and a half at home after getting win number one. Can they get win number two here? I like Carolina here because Frank Wright got done so dirty by Jim Irsay when he left Indy, and this is his revenge game, and that's why oh. I like yeah, that's why I like Carolina. Oh. I think I think this is a game that's superstarred because of what happened with Frank at the end of Frank Wright and Indy. So I like Carolina. Interesting, interesting. All right, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles, a big NFC East game. This will be one of the big national games. The Eagles at home, only giving three to Dallas. I know another one of these weird lines that seems a little lower, but Dax, yeah. the Dak is. Doing Dak has done really well against the Eagles in his career. Uh, and that I think that's something to consider. <clears throat> this was one I've just been back and forth on and can't really come up with anything. I mean, I like, you know, I naturally like the home team by three, but then, then like I said, Cowboys have played good against the Eagles. I mean, if anything, I'm Philly small, but this one, this one was kind of tough on me. Uh Raiders just fired their coach. They'll entertain the uh, Giants on Tell me you saw that story what the the Halloween story and all he was dressed up as Mark Davis. Did you see all that? No. Josh McDaniels is a big Halloween guy. He loves it and everybody knows it. So he shows up to lunch with Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, dressed up as Mark Davis yesterday as a joke. And and Mark Davis kind of chuckled and played into it and ordered his signature PF Chang's lunch. And then supposedly he handed him a fortune cookie and said, You're fired. No. That's what the story's on the internet. I don't think it's oh. satire. Maybe I'm falling for it, but it's been circulating. It's pretty funny, if true. And even if it's not true, it's really funny. It's funny one way or the other. Uh, Raiders, though, giving one and a half to the hapless Giants who threw for negative nine last I mean, week. They, they watch the over under interim, on this is Raiders, 37. The Ra- Look, watch out for that interim coach bump. I don't. I noticed you ever see that, like, especially because like no one likes Josh McDaniels. He's always kind of like known as a hard guy to deal with. He's that's the thing with that Patriot way. Like, yeah, when it's Belichick and you respect him, you deal with it. But when you're dealing with people that are incompetent and they still are like real hard to deal with, it rubs people the wrong way. Uh, I, I kind of think the Raiders may bounce back with the interim thing. Antonio Pierce is a former giant. Gets his first game against uh, his old team. I believe he won a Super Bowl with. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And so I, I kind of think the Raiders might win. Aiden O'Connell looked really good in preseason. Uh, he was a quarterback uh, from Purdue. You know, he got Purdue to the Big Ten Championship game last year. Uh, I don't think he's that bad. So I kind of okay. think the Raiders might win this game. Okay. Uh, the Sunday night game is a hell of a good one. Uh, the last time these two teams played on Sunday night, the game got stopped in the first quarter with the the, the uh, Demar Hamlin situation. So certainly hope that there's no repeat of that. But Buffalo goes to uh, Cincinnati. The Bengals looked phenomenal last week. They're giving two and a half at home to Buffalo. I kind of like the Bengals here. I kind of like the Bengals, but the only thing on this is like if there was ever a spot for Buffalo to show up, they lost this playoff game pretty bad to the Bengals at home last year. The Sunday, the, the Mar Hamlin thing. I mean, this feels like 
They were, I don't want to go. They were they were getting their ass kicked in that Hamlin game. I mean, that game was about to go. It was about to go south. This is this has been a matchup that has favored. It has favored the Bengals. Yeah, and also let's just call it what it is. I trust Joe Burrow more than I trust Josh Allen. Period. Um, so I, I got to lean the Bengals. I lean the Bengals here. I'll probably take them small. And then the Monday night game is pretty compelling also. The Chargers go to New York to play the Jets. The Chargers coming off a blowout win over the Bears. The Jets played that sloppy game against uh, the Giants. The Jets are a three-point home dog against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. I kind of like the Jets here. The Jets, look at their efforts where they beat the Bills at home on Monday night with the Rodgers thing, and they almost beat the Chiefs. Uh, at home, I mean, the Jets, and then they beat the Eagles at home. I mean, I think they've been playing pretty good in these home games against good teams, and I don't know if the Chargers are even a good team. They're three and four or whatever. Uh, so, give me the Jets plus three. I think they'll be fired up on Monday night. And they've actually got – what I believe the Jets are, what, four and three? I mean, the fans are going to be fired up. They had a yeah. winning record. I think Rodgers is saying he's trying to come back at some point this year. Yeah. I don't know if that's, that's true. What, but what he's saying. Yes, yeah, so, uh, give me the Jets as a home dog. All right, we started with Ole Miss. We'll end with Ole Miss. Uh, give me your – just your – in your mind's eye, how does this thing play out on Saturday? 27-17 Ole Miss, similar to the game two years ago where Ole Miss got that pick six and won by ten. Uh, I do think as I've analyzed it that, you know, the line being lower, I think A&M's D-line and linebackers could be a problem up front. And so maybe Ole Miss's offense struggles like some because of that. But I think Golding and the defense, I just – I don't know. I've watched A&M play a lot. Their offensive line is very good. Max Johnson – Look, he he leaves – when you watch him play, does it feel like his balls just hang in the air forever? Like, I feel like he'll throw off his back foot some if you get pressure on him, and they hang up in the air for picks. I don't know. I feel like Ole Miss is going to force some turnovers, and I think the defense is going to lead him to another another good win here. Ben, as always, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, always. Thank you, Neil. That does it for this extra edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast, getting you ready for Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Big thanks to uh, four great guests today, David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger, Olin Buchanan, and David Nuno of texags.com, and then Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports. Proud of the show, to be completely honest. Uh, this was a lot of fun to do. Uh, some of my favorite people on the show, and uh, really enjoyed all of their insight. So uh, that does it for pretty much a week full of podcasts here on MPW Digital. We'll have another uh, post-game show brought to you by Dead Soxie as soon as Ole Miss and Texas A&M are done on Saturday afternoon. Chase Parm will be hosting that. Uh, Jeffrey Wright will join in. Brian Rippey will join in. I'll join from Vaught Hemingway. I'll have coverage on rebelgrove.com uh, on Saturday. And then again, uh, 10 Thoughts on a Sunday afternoon. So a lot coming your way over the next few days, getting you ready for the Rebels and the Aggies. Certainly appreciate all of you being in the stream, everybody who's been a part of our shows over the last uh, few weeks, the last 10 years for that matter, here on uh, the Oxford Exxon podcast. So have a great weekend. If you're driving, please be safe. And uh, we will talk to you again on Saturday and then next week with a full week of podcast uh, here on MPW Digital. Take care.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.